on today's episode. This is all about data. Depends how much data you have available to make your systems in a self-adapted approach to get it better. And if you consider this that we, we are supplying systems to specific vertical business, for the emerging markets, there will be international companies, right, playing. For the emerging markets, they will leapfrog. Welcome to the Active Share podcast that explores less obvious investing insights in a world that's always changing. I'm your host, Hugo Scott Gould. Today, I am delighted to have with me Claudio Samal, the Chief Technology Officer of Hexagon, a global leader in sensor software and autonomous solutions. As well as being the CTO, Claudio is president of Hexagon's Innovation Hub and has a number of patents in sensor technology. Hi, Claudio. Hello. Pleased to be here. Also with me is Andy Sipka, William Blair's Investor Management Industrial Analyst. Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have no patents. None yet, Hugo, but certainly many patents pending, of course. Absolutely. Of course. Now, we are going to discuss today the fourth industrial revolution and the central role of all things digital in it. Claudio, could you give us maybe a slightly fuller intro into Hexagon than I gave and then expand into really defining what Industry 4.0, what it means and how it ranges from all the way from augmented reality to robots to cobots, exactly kind of what it is? Yes. Uh, Hexagon, is, as, as you mentioned, is a major player. We started something around 20 years ago as a leader in sensority, in sensors. So that uh, means developing sensors. We have to understand the application, and we are very close to data. So data, data capture has been our, let's say, focus 20 years ago. And then we evolved to more software-centric solutions, developing workflows, addressing workflows for very important vertical applications. And finally, around 10 years ago, we started to dedicate ourselves to enterprise end-to-end solutions. So let's say our natural involvement from sensors, capturing data, capturing uh, the real world, streaming the real world, modeling, simulating, detecting anomalies and deviations, and then feeding, feeding back corrective actions into the real world from the digital world is a natural, let's say, path into digital transformation that, in a more holistic perspective, is encompassing Industry 4.0, basically. So if you want me to define Industry 4.0, and if you permit to start with digital transformation, as I said, in a more holistic perspective, it's all about utilization of new digital technology and emerging digital enablers added up to core technology and expert systems in order to provide new streamlined solutions to existing processes or creating fully new solutions in a more disruptive manner for enhancing productivity and quality. This would be a definition of Industry 4.02. In this context, that means Industry 4.0 can be seen as digital transformation for the industry and more specifically for manufacturing. This is how we see Industry 4.0. And if you put together all the effects of that, is that going to be the missing link where in the productivity 
puzzle when people say, look, we're having a technology revolution, but it hasn't really changed productivity. In fact, most DM countries have a productivity problem. Do you think that the combination of all the different elements of Industry 4.0 will lead to something of a productivity revolution that it's, it's maybe just about to come? We should be a little more patient, but actually the, the combination of things will transform the efficiency, accuracy, productivity within the industrial sector and also outside of it in terms of its broader footprint. Yeah, no, I, I, we strongly believe that Industry 4.0 for the factories, for the industry, is a major, let's say, movement into improved uh, productivity, quality, safeness, security, simply because today the processes are fragmented. And by the fact that you are interconnected, interoperating, fragmented processes, siloed processes, and data will permit a major improvement in productivity, quality, security, and other, let's say, elements of a factory of the industry. We believe strongly that there will be major gains in productivity. I mean, the opportunity that you describe is, is big and is very powerful for not only companies, but for economies in general. But I guess, where do you see companies when, they, when they're starting on the digital journey? Where do they stumble or what are some of the challenges they face throughout the digital transformation as they undergo that transformation? Yeah, you know, it's clear that there are many pitfalls and challenges for industrial companies, similar of what happens at the threshold of prior technology cycles, right, or industry 3.0 or 2.0. So first, there are organizational, cultural challenges. That means we have to reward the organization to address the different approaches of Industry 4.0. And there are technical challenges, right? So if you consider that uh, for us, you know, digital transformation and Industry 4.0, as I mentioned before, is the utilization of new digital technologies to enable different applications or streamline existing applications. So now we have to use back-end integration, enhanced connectivity with a faster let's say, wireless or wired networks, edge and cloud computing, advanced analytics, AI, visualization, augmented reality, and all these new enablers that we have, or even actuators like robots and drones. So there is, there are technology challenges, but also there are cultural and organizational challenges because the mindset for the implementation of these enablers of new technologies are not there. The organizations are not prepared for this. Yeah, that's helpful. Just as a follow-up to that, I've seen a lot of discussion about just the amount of industry data that we're generating, but the gap between the data that's being generated and the data that is actually being used efficiently, that gap continues to widen. So is that something that you know, companies are just overwhelmed with the amount of data and they don't know what to do with it. Is that something that you're seeing? And how do you help customers handle that challenge? Yeah. Frankly speaking, the data platform is one of the most important enablers for digital transformation and Industry 4.0. I guess in the beginning, we thought that we could have data warehouses 
and organizing the warehouses would solve the problems. And now we are recognizing that. And then there was an evolution for the data lakes. And people understand now that it's impossible to scale this simply because the data, even structured data, let alone unstructured data, the data is not contextualized, is not tagged for the applications. So the data platform hurdle, let's say, the data platform challenge is major. Maybe it's the most important one besides the cultural and organizational one. Because as the data is not contextualized and the applications are more and more going to real time, we simply cannot use historians. What we can use is more time series, but this is very limiting because the historians give us the way to data mine and train systems for improvement, for self-adapting in order to deliver really the productivity and quality we mentioned before. So. Data platform is something that we are investing a lot in. There are a lot of new technologies associated with this and associated with machine learning and data mining and how we structure, let's say, the data warehouse uh, contextualized for different applications. So, Claudio, this is a, a much more complex, complicated world, which if you have the skills, you can thrive in it. But not everyone's going to win in this world, are they? You need to have the data, you need to understand data, therefore you need to have very good analytics. What do you see as the defining characteristics of those who are going to succeed in in this world and those who aren't? How, How would you kind of separate the winners and the losers? So companies have to prepare. Who has started early will benefit more in this game. From the organization portion of this, is really a different mindset. So companies, they have to put, let's say, the correct organization to make it happen. They have to empower and entrust new leadership to implement uh, new solutions related to digital transformation and industry 4.0. Regarding to data, this I mentioned, maybe data, how you treat data is the most challenging one. And I, I do believe that some companies will dedicate themselves to supply consulting and support to the companies that have not uh, sorted this out. So I guess the answer is a, a mix, you know. The companies that will be the, the early successful company is who is the companies that started early preparing the technology enablers and preparing data platforms, but also rewiring the organization to embrace IoT and the other technologies, including AI, for example. So it's, I guess it's all about preparation for this new, let's say, era. So Claudio, maybe bringing it to Hexagon and how Hexagon can help companies realize companies' industry 4.0 vision. You talked about a lot about at the intro now offering really end-to-end solutions. Could you maybe talk about how you see the company's role in bringing industry 4.0 to life? Yes, sure. At Hexagon, Industry 4.2 is we call Smart Factory. So Smart Factory is one of digital transformation solutions. We call Smart X solutions, Smart Factory, Smart Mining, Smart Agriculture, Smart Construction, and Smart City, and so on and so forth. So 
we have already, for example, for mining, what we call life of mine is from pit to port. You know, we have a complete end-to-end -end solutions. And when I say end-to-end, -end, I mean interoperable solutions. That means you can analyze the soil, you can plan and schedule for multi-years from fleet management to processing and so on and so forth. Same for agriculture. Again, for industries, in the scope of Industry 4.0, we call it smart factory. And as I said, this is stepwise. We start integrating a manufacturing cell. That means we have a machine tool, a conveyor belt or a robot, and a measuring machine integrated and interoperating. That means if there are deviations in machining, we can detect it, we can measure, and we can correct in real time. And we can use historians, that means historical information, to analyze trends, to detect patterns, and with this we can predict the next step, improving the process. So this is one, let's say, step, one building block of a smart factory. In the moment, for example, that we integrate CAD cam that means that uh, what you simulate, you feedback to the design, and you can simulate again and so on and so forth. You can prepare the production. We can measure the, quality, the, the dimension deviation in the production, and we can feedback the model in the CAI. This is already a first step. It's not real time, but it's going to be real time. When you look at some of these solutions in manufacturing, you know, feedback loops, the type of things that you describe, simulation, I mean, any numbers you can put to that just in terms of sort of someone who's best in class, the type of productivity gains they can see from deploying some of these technologies? Yeah, we are going into an end-to-end process, right? In the moment that we have all these smart factory, think about a complete factory, all interoperable. That means all the process talk each other and optimize each other. This is a holy grail, so we are not there for sure. And I, we will go step by step. But if we consider just one solution that is what we call the notification system, that means if there are deviations in the process, the system feedback this, and we can support decisions to do this, to, let's say, change the process in order to optimize the process in quasi-real time. It's one solution that we are deploying. In the proof of concept, we have benefits going to the level of 20% of improvements in, in, in the process. So this is a number that I could tell you now. It's a proof of concept, and but the cell we are selling already. But what I'm talking now, the number I'm, I'm referring now is uh, it's out of the proof of concept that we ran six months ago, more or less. But we we have also solutions in mining, agriculture, in plants that have have already shown improvements, uh, double digit improvements in different processes. Just as you were talking, Claudia, I was thinking, what does this mean for developed markets? So I mean, European, U.S. companies versus emerging market companies. Does this kind of level the playing field or does it maybe raise entry barriers and make it perhaps harder for emerging market companies to climb up the value-added curve, that actually this is adding sophistication and complexity to manufacturing processes that you need to have a certain level of skill to stay in the game, and that may actually favor developed market companies, or is, 
well, maybe that's the incorrect argument that actually the other side is this will accelerate emerging market companies up the curve and make them more potent competition for U.S., mm-hmm. European, and, and other DM, you know, Australian, etc. companies. Which do you think is right? Is this a leapfrogging opportunity for EM, or is it actually a reinforcement of competitive advantage for developed market companies? You know, I personally, I believe that emerging markets will leapfrog complete cycles of uh, technology with Industry 4.0 and with digital transformation in general, because you know, domain knowledge is fundamental. It's not there is no agnostic approach to this because if you have to train models from the machine learning artificial intelligence techniques perspective and if you have to configure systems in a first level and then the the system will self-adapt you need domain knowledge but in the moment that you have this this is all about data depends how much data you have available to make your systems in a self-adapted approach to get it better. And if you consider this, that we we are supplying systems to specific vertical business, for the emerging markets, there will be international companies, right, playing. And for the emerging markets, they will leapfrog the cycle, you know, because they will receive the first level of configurations ready. But at the same time, depends on the industry if the domain knowledge is contained for some few players, this will increase barriers of entry, as you said. Yeah, and just sort of thinking some more around this theme, does this step change in technology, which may well enable faster production, more accurate production, that could mean that production sits much closer to where consumption is, and therefore this, in a sense, that these... The confluence of these technologies that could make manufacturing and a broader set of industries look very different may well enable, they may well actually be deglobalizing. They could be globalizing in the sense that, you know, as, as you just said, that more and more companies, all companies around the world will eventually have access to, to these skills that will transform how they make and maybe even what they make. But actually it could be deglobalizing. It could localize production because it's, it will be necessary to sit much closer to production. Is that, is that too grand a statement that this is, it's a step change in productivity, it's a step change therefore in efficiency, but it may well actually become a deglobalizing force, not a globalizing force, because it, it, it means that you can actually put your production much closer to where consumption is, and that's what consumers want. Is that yeah. too broad yeah. a sweep and generalization? No, no I, I do believe in decentralization of processes. You know, that means production will be more cellular. Because if you, you know, when we are talking about Industry 4.0, we are considering all the new enablers, including AI. And AI is a major game changer, as you know. It will revolutionize how we address entire process and integrate systems. So systems will get self-adapting. This is accelerating clearly for me, you know. And uh, when you have systems that are self-adapting, and if they are interoperative, that means if your system's architecture is making possible to interoperate the cells, then we, exactly what you said, you get closer to the consumer, right? And this can be an anti-globalization trend. Could we talk about what Hexagon is doing in AI? I know you've launched the Exalt platform, and it's more than just AI, but maybe some of the 
early efforts in the AI space in terms of bringing these solutions to customers? And then longer term, how do you see AI impacting industry? Yeah. So in Hexagon, we we have a platform, a, a AI platform. It's called Simpala. It's basically the fabric where you can train models. We can deploy AI-related solutions. It's just a platform. But then we have also, we develop many tools to train different models for different applications. We don't believe in an agnostic and holistic approach to AI. We think that AI is very, very associated to domain knowledge in different applications. But, you know, in Hexagon, we strongly believe in autonomy. And autonomy is fooled, is supported by AI. So, in Exxon, it's all about our vision of connected autonomous ecosystems. And we see clearly the building blocks for our vision coming together. So, the world is moving, as you said before, you know, it's moving from a causal, cause effect, deterministic world for a more correlational and probabilistic world. So data is foundational, and we see clearly how relevant this new technology cycle of autonomy, of AI, will be really relevant if you compare to the prior ones, the PC cycle, the web cycle, mobile and cloud cycle, for example. So we can really see how impactful this will be, and we are preparing for this. So autonomy revolution is coming. And when you think about AI and the kind of potential and to really accelerate the development there and uh, unleash that potential, is there something that's that's missing or do we have everything we need to really see AI take off from here? In particular, I guess I'm thinking about now coming into a 5G world where you have even more connected devices, more data, less latency, more speed, computing power grows even faster with time. So is there anything missing at this point for AI to really take off? I think for AI, it's more about data. That means this is why we are we are investing so much in our data platform, how we organize the data, how you do the data curation, the data mining, and how we, we are going to use data historians in real time. When you think real time, 5G is really, besides other enablers, 5G will make possible many real-time, low-latent, ultra-reliable, massive machine-to-machine communication use cases possible, right? So 5G is a clear acceleration for Industry 4.0 because it will enable many use cases that we simply cannot do now. And this goes from real-time process using historic data, as I said, because you want to do the data mining in real time. And the second one, and edge computing for sure, that means machine-to-machine communication. And the second, and going to, let's say, augmented reality, latency is very critical for augmented reality applications or virtual reality applications, as you, you, you know. So 5G is a major, let's say, enabler. But if we come back to AI, you asked what is missing for AI. So as I said, first is data. And when I say data, it's not simple data sitting there in a data lake without any tagging, without any correlation. So this is very limited. We need a new, we need really a paradigm shift from how we treat data, how we architect data. 
And this is exactly what we are working a lot at Exagon, and I see others. I have a good network in the, in the technology community, so I see others also discussing this a lot. And I guess this is the most important hurdle, meaningful data, actionable data, not only structured data sitting there in a data lake. So I would say this is the most important thing. And then, you know, then comes to the other uh, the other element that I say is cultural, is organizational. People have to embrace. People don't – things will not happen from day to night, you know, overnight, because technology takes time. I always say this here to my group, TTT, you know, technology takes time. You have to invest. But in Hexagon, we are already using AI to develop products, not mandatorily embedded in the product, but uh, to develop products. We have many process optimization for industrial application in our solutions, in, in mainly metrology, already using AI. We have automatic dispatching for police, fire, and ambulance in our public safety solution. We have uh, optimization of uh, fleet managing, mining, construction, agriculture already deployed using AI. For example, image classification in agriculture to detect where you have to fertilize, where you have to deploy pesticides is already using AI. And I have a lot of use cases, predict maintenance of machinery, mobile assets. There are a lot of things that we are doing with AI in Exagon. And I guess the big risk is, sorry? I guess the big risk here is, is cybersecurity. If everything is digitalized, and, and reliant on fast, efficient communication technologies, hacking, cyber risks must be forefront. How, how, do you, how do you think about that and how much you worry about that? Yeah, we worry a lot, <laughs> frankly speaking. So as we say, you know, and, and this is one of the mantras of our Exalt platform. So Exalt is all about merging, fusing OT with IT. So, so far, all the cybersecurity, let's say, not all, but most of the cybersecurity worries and development was associated with IT. But in the moment that we fuse, we bring together IT with OT, then we have another entry point for invasions, let's say. And we should also develop our products that are cybersecurity by design. You know, and this is what we have now in, in our best practices for product development, both hardware and software. This is one element. The other element is enabling edge computing. And when I say edge computing, it's not only edge, but it's cloud for orchestration and edge to edge for choreography again. So we don't believe that is everything is cloud. We have a lot of edge computing, a lot of distributed computing architectures coming in Industry 4.0, in digital transformation solutions. So if you have a lot of edge computing, you have another weakness of your solution, of your architecture, because the risk can come from the edge. If you collect in an interoperable way a lot of data from the edge, you can have uh, another, let's say, point of intrusion. And our solution for this is developing edge authentication. That is a technique that permits you, like in a distributed ledger, permits you to protect the edge and to make sense when you orchestrate to the cloud, you have to authenticate the edge to your cloud. So 
This is a kind of protection with a distributed authentication. What I want to do is say a big thank you from me for taking the time and talking about so many different things and so many fascinating things. So it's a big thank you from me. Claudio, yes, also thank you. No, it's, as I said in the beginning, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Active Share. To hear additional insights from William Blair Investment Management, visit us at blog.williamblair.com. The Active Share is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. For questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed, email us at podcastim at williamblair.com. This content is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or to adopt any investment strategy. Investment advice and recommendations can be provided only after careful consideration of investors' objectives, guidelines, and restrictions. The views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers as of the date of this recording, are subject to change without notice as economic and market conditions dictate, and may not reflect the views and opinions of other investment teams within William Blair Investment Management. Factual information has been obtained from sources we believe to be reliable, but its accuracy, completeness, or interpretation cannot be guaranteed. Any discussion of particular topics is not meant to be comprehensive and may be subject to change. This material may include forecasts, estimates, outlooks, projections, and other forward-looking statements. Due to a variety of factors, actual events may differ significantly from those presented. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. Any investment or strategy mentioned herein may not be suitable for every investor. References to specific companies are for illustrative purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security. William Blair Investment Management may or may not own any securities of the companies referenced. It should not be assumed that any investment in the companies referenced was or will be profitable.